Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Super Speed Golf. Now here's your host... Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and I can't thank you enough for coming back and joining me again tonight and making us a part of your golfing content again this week. And if you're new to the show, well, first of all, welcome and thank you for giving us a listen. We hope you'll make us a part of your regular weekly content. Tonight, I have two wonderful guests that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. First up with me is going to be Mark Player. Mark is the founder and CEO of the Player Group and Black Knight International. And yes, he's Gary Player's son. Mark is managing the Player brand right now. And as you guys know, his father means so much to me. And, you know, one of my favorite episodes every year and has been over the last five years has been when Mr. Player joins me during Masters Week. And tonight, very excited to have Mark here and talk with him about sort of the history of the brand, right? Where did it start? How did he get started in it? Where, where are they at today and all the great things that they're doing today with respect to course design? And they have a wonderful foundation doing a whole lot for charity. And then what's the future of the brand? You know, it's, it's going to have to live long after Mr. Player is no longer with us. Where do they go when that happens? Where do they go from there? And how does it stay on long past his time with us? So really looking forward to having that conversation with Mark. He's going to join me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a visit from Alex Hamill. And Alex is the founder and CEO of Innovative Club Management, which is a company currently running the Greens Country Club out in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. They're aggressively looking to add dozens more clubs to their portfolio. And Prior to starting that company, Alex spent time with Club Corps, and he was the VP of uh, Food and Beverage for Axis Golf. So looking forward to hearing from Alex about what they're doing now and what their plan is to go out and bring in more private clubs into their management and into their portfolio and what sets them apart from other management companies. He'll be along with me a little bit later on in this half hour. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. Before we get started, I want to remind you about my good friend Mitchell Lawrence and his great golf show that marries golf and travel, and it is called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom or really anywhere you consume your podcast. He and his co-host Darren Bunch travel all over the world and let you know about great places to play, stay, and even eat while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom. His twin brother, another great friend, Matthew, and his show, Backspin Golf, is unfortunately on hiatus right now, which you guys all know isn't making me very happy. Matthew has ruined my Sunday mornings now. But I encourage you to go online to WLXG.com and check out his archived episodes. They're available as a podcast because the show really is fantastic, folks. Again, it's called Backspin Golf. You can stream this season's shows as a podcast at WLXG.com online or by downloading the WLXG app. And as you guys know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there. 
Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place to have up there and to book your stay as well. Also want to give a shout out to our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. And folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan Iron since the 80s or 90s, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron of either their, of either their Fort Worth, PTX, or new Edge Irons. And go out on the range and compare it to whatever it is you have in your bag right now. All Ben Hogan Irons and Wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Again, check out their complete line of uh, forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their fall collection is out, and now's the perfect opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They make style easy. Find carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options. The Bobby Jones brand delivers excellence as genuine as the legends themselves. Their collection of new golf, performance, and lifestyle apparel is available for you for both men and women by going online to bobbyjones.com. Now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Mark Player. Let me give you some background on Mark. Yes, he is the son of PGA Tour legend Gary Player. He is also the CEO and founder of the Player Group, Inc. and Black Knight International, which is the parent company of Gary Player Design, Black Knight Enterprises, Black Knight Capital, Gary Player Academy, and the Player Foundation, which is doing amazing things for people all across the globe. So we'll be talking about that in detail. Mark has been managing his dad and his dad's business interests for over 30 years now, and I am honored to have him with me tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Chris. Good evening to you, and thank you for that uh, kind and generous introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Mark, I, I want to start by going back to your time after you graduated from college, and I and I read that, you know, after that graduation and you did your two years of compulsory military service, you actually contacted Mike, uh, Mark McCormick, who represented your father and had been for, for many years, and you went to work for him. So talk about your decision to get into sports and marketing, be a sports agent and that sort of thing. When did you know that was the route you wanted to take? I really didn't, Chris. I, I, I thought I might end up uh, becoming a veterinary surgeon because uh, our family has been breeding thoroughbred racehorses and grew up on a farm. And I loved animals, and I loved the farm, and I loved the outdoors. And so I thought that, growing up, that's what that was perhaps my calling. But after I'd finished school and, and as you said, finished my military service, I traveled for a while and uh, obviously have grown up in a, in a golfing family. My mom is a scratch player. My uncle is a, was, a, was a professional. My, uh, my mother's father, my grandfather, my grandpa Jock, was a pro. So I've been exposed to the game. And... Uh, Growing up and around uh, IMG and Mark McCormack, or Uncle Mark as we called him, um, I asked for an opportunity to, to work with him for a while, and I did so in, in Japan and in Hong Kong and in London and 
Cleveland, Ohio, and then in New York, and ultimately ended up going back to South Africa and starting Black Knight International and representing some of my dad's interests. And at that time, he was just turning uh, 50. So he was getting ready to come out on, on the senior tour, and no one, no one knew how, 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 how successful that tour would be or um, how, how dominant he would be as a player. So the timing, as in, as in most things in life, the timing was perfect for me. So there's a couple of things there I, I want to spend some time on, Mark. And the first thing was, I didn't know your mother was a scratch player. That's fantastic. Oh, yes. Yeah, her claim to fame is having, uh, having two hole-in-ones in the first nine, and on the next part three, her ball rolled up and stopped uh, the, the previous four. Well, it hadn't put the pin back properly, and the pin was lying against the cup, and the ball stopped against the, the edge of the cup and the, and the, and, and the flagstick. Otherwise, it would have been three. And so she always comes home and says to my, to my old man, beat that if you can. And, of course, that's almost <laughs> impossible. I think uh, that was in the Guinness Book of Records for a while. So she came from a, a, a golfing family. Her brother, her father were all um, uh, avid golfers. And, and, and my dad uh, actually met my, met my mom um, at the golf course. So, um, yeah, she, she, uh, she might well have, been, have turned pro had it not been uh, for him getting married and then having six children. That put a stop to that. And, Mark, I had also read that uh, in your relationship with Mark McCormick, your father's relationship with Mark McCormick, and, and that, uh, in that in those conversations about managing, you know, your father's interests, that you had actually talked to him about, you know what, why don't, why don't we split this? You manage my father's interest on the golf course, and I'll take it off the golf course. But in the story that I read, it was sort of a sense of like, okay, kid, here you go. You take all the risk. You pay your dad a flat rate. You pay me 25%. If there's anything left for you, good. You know, you can keep that piece. So was it, was that the way it went? Was it sort of sink or swim for you and, and taking over yeah, that piece very, of your dad? Yeah, very much, very much so, Chris. It was, uh, it was really more McCormack and Alistair Johnson's idea that says, well, if you want to start a business and you want to own it and you want to manage it and run it and hold the equity in it and take the risk in it and raise whatever working capital you might need, fine. But your old man's not going to be your partner. He's not going to cover you. You need to pay him a royalty off the top and we'll change that percentage. Basically, the more time he spends on something, the greater percentage he gets. The less he spends on it, the more you get. And that was in, um, well, it's 33 years ago. Was he turned, he turned 83 last week on November the 1st. And that was the 33rd year that I've, uh, I've owned and managed and operated Black Knight International. And, um, we've had a wonderful, wonderful three decades together. I must say it's been, uh, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. Uh, I've, I never uh, would think of telling him how to play the game of golf, and uh, uh, fortunately, he's had confidence in me in managing the brand and the business and making the decisions off the golf course. And you mentioned it came at, right at the time that your father turned 50, and now all of a sudden he's transitioning over to the senior tour. So was it a bit easier of a sell for McCormick to give you control of, of, of that side of the business because – you know, back then, we didn't know what the senior tour was going to become. And 50 years old probably thought, you know what, hey, he's he's winding down. And there's not going to be a lot of interest off the golf course. But all of a sudden, you know, the senior tour explodes and your father 
has a, a world of success over there. But was it easier because he probably thought, eh, not, not much is going to happen? Um, what had happened is prior to that, I had exclusively signed a deal to represent IMG and the then TWI, Transworld International, which was their sports programming rights division. And uh, the business had boomed because of the uh, the introduction of pay television. Historically, South Africa had one incumbent, the SABC, the South African Broadcasting Corporation, who would buy Wimbledon or would buy the Masters or buy the rights to the Olympic Games or the World Cup of football, soccer. And so I had done a deal with Mark that not a lot was happening in South Africa with just that SABC. I knew that the Mnet Supersport would was coming along, and so there would be a, a, a war, a rights war, and I rode that wave for a couple of years, grew the television uh, rights revenues by a couple of thousand percent. So the deal with my dad was really more of a McCormack and IMG saying, hey, we want our business back, and we'll give you this 50-year-old guy called Gary Player because, really, how much more can you do with them on the senior tour? So, Mark, I imagine a lot of our listeners don't really understand the depth and the breadth of what the player group and what uh, Black Knight International is all about. Talk about all of the different things that you guys are involved with right now. Well, obviously, we built this around uh, my father's glorious career, global career on the, on the golf course over, you know, what's it, 60 years that he's been playing and winning. Uh, your readers will, 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 will know as well, if not better than me, you know, the 167 victories over six decades. He's won nine majors on the regular, nine on the senior tour. And, um, and he's really, he's been, he, he was doing all of this at a time when you didn't have private jets and the conveniences that come with, with playing on these tours around the world today. And so I have great respect for what he achieved as a player, as a professional. Uh, and the, the time and the dedication that he put into building his name, his reputation, and his, and his professional career. What I try to do was say, okay, how do we take that and parlay that into businesses that are surrounding his name and his time and his reputation? And that's the same as that Nicholas has done or Palmer has done or Greg Norman has done. Um, and and as, you, as you would imagine, golf course design, event, some licensing opportunities, um, and, and in our case, we, we, we found a, we formed the foundation. You may recall, Chris, in 1965, when my father became the third man to win the, the Grand Slam, Sarazen was the first, then Hogan, then player. And if you think about it, that was in 1965. Only two players since then have won the Grand Slam, and that's Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods. Um, you know, going back then, when he won the U.S. Open to complete his Grand Slam, he gave back. And he didn't have a lot of money. Unlike today, you can you don't have to win and you become a multimillionaire. He gave back his prize money to cancer research because his mother died of cancer when he was eight years of age. And he gave it to junior golf development to the USGA. And so that philanthropic element that that he, right back then he was he, he he created a foundation and started this. How do I make a difference? Initially, back in South Africa, I picked up on that. And we've now raised through the Player Foundation, we've raised 60, almost $65 million. Our goal, our quest, as we call it, is to get to $100 million before he, um, he kicks the bucket or disappears or retires. And we've done a great job, I think, of helping to make a difference in a lot of underprivileged children's lives. In China, we have an AIDS orphanage. Um, in Japan, we've helped the 
the uh, the tsunami victims, and there's so many young people that lost their, their families and their homes. And then in Europe, the homeless in London, in South Africa, underprivileged education, a lot of kids who just won't get a chance to go to school. And then here in the States as well, in Latin America. So we've uh, we, those are the businesses that I've tried to focus on and build. Uh, we've done just over 400 golf courses worldwide. We have a great series of these Gary Play Invitational Pro-Am events. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, but at this point in time, I'm now looking at where do we go in the future? What do we do to uh, transcend not only Gary Player's career as a professional golfer or the businesses that we've built to date, but where do we go in the next 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years? Two things that you just talked about, certainly the last one I want to get to here in a minute. But Mark, you mentioned licensing the brand. I have to imagine over the years, hundreds of companies have come to you guys wanting to license the player name on all sorts of products. How do you decide who to do business with and when do you say, you know what, I think we'll pass? Uh, Good question, Chris. I think, um, you know, if you looked at Nicholas and Palmer and Player, the big three, um, IMG strategy and owning the Arnold Palmer name and brand was to license the hell out of it. Arnold was the Pierre Cardin of golf. Uh, Hundreds of licensing, very little uh, concern about the quality of the product or the territory or where it was or what the class and or um, a country that that they licensed the umbrella and the name Arnold Palmer to. And when you have three or four or 500 licensing deals um, that run, that have a minimum return, a minimum guarantee, and maybe there's four or five or 6% royalty on it, now that volume, i.e. Pierre Cardin, you make a lot of money, but I'm not so sure that you you have a brand and a name um, that is pristine. And so my view was that's not the way I want to go. Yes, it's made... IMG and, and, and Palmer a lot of money. Nicholas recently, as you know, has sold his business to Howard Milstein, and they're going the licensing route. Historically, I've stayed away. I've rather had equity in smaller businesses that we own and manage and can control, and as opposed to a myriad of licenses with different companies in different parts of the world. So we've had three kind of different strategies. Um, the Palmer one has been very successful financially. I'm not sure how long it can be sustained. Um, that'll be up to IMG and, 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 and to see whether they can, they can continue to do that. It'll be interesting to see what Milstein and his, his people do now that Jack and, and has stepped down, as it were, from day-to-day activity. Of course, it's no surprise that my dad is the energizer bunny, and he thinks he's 53, not 83, and he keeps calling me and saying, well, where are we going? What's happening? What's next? I, I, uh, I'm ready to, to get on a plane. What, what's, what's the next deal? What's the next project? And so I'm trying to manage his time, his, um, I'm, I'm a, he, at 83, even though he's, a, he's fit and healthy and energetic. Obviously, as you get older, you need to, you need to look after yourself more carefully. And so I'm trying to be judicious in, in how I make decisions about who we do business with. And really, as far as it's been quality rather than quantity. So, Mark, to your point. As you look ahead to 2019 and, and beyond, what is the legacy? What, what are the things that you're working on that you're envisioning that we, you know, when we no longer have your father here with us, but the player brand and the name will continue to go on? What are the things you're looking at? Well, I've tried to take a couple of examples. One certainly is to take our existing corporate partners. So if you take Rolex, uh, Rolex and Gary Player did their deal in 1965. And I, I think I'm right in saying this. I stand to correction 
But I think that from 1965, and I just last year renewed for a 10-year term, I think that the Rolex Gary player endorsement relationship is the longest standing endorsement with any athlete in any sport anywhere in the world from 1965, and it's going to run for another 10 years. So I've, what I've tried to say to them is, and, and they've been fantastic to work with, is to say, okay, what happens if he dies? So when Arnold Palmer dies, is there still a Rolex relationship? Sure there is. We can use the name, the logo, the likeness, the signature. We can dig into our archives and use some of the, the film and video and, 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 and voice that we have to keep that relationship alive. So on the one level, I'm trying to extend the endorsement relationships that we have with people like a Rolex that continue beyond his death. The second part of the strategy is to say, can we raise this $100 million, put that away as an endowment, have that professionally managed, and the, royal, the return on that endowment will continue in perpetuity, building on the legacy of Gary Player in terms of his philanthropic side of things. And then as far as the brand itself is concerned, as we know, there are 100 million golfers worldwide. And I would venture to say that 99 million think that he's okay. They know he wears black, that he's high energy, that he's into diet and health and really the pioneer of fitness in golf. So how do we take some of those brand attributes and how do we build a, product, a series of products, whether that be a Gary Player series for Netflix or Amazon? Uh, or is there a, a range of luxury goods that could be de developed around the Gary Player name? What about the diet and health fitness products? One only has to look at uh, Paul Newman, who's been dead, I don't know, 20 or 30 years now, and his food products, his, his popcorn and his salad dressing are alive and well, raising lots of money for the hole-in-the-wall gang. So I'm spending a lot of time now, almost all of my time, looking at saying, how can I ensure that the legacy of Gary Player that his name and his reputation, what he personally achieved during his playing career and what I've tried to work hard at achieving from a business, that it will continue beyond not only his lifetime, but beyond mine as well. When you go into the Chanel boutique today, you don't demand to see Coco. Coco Chanel has been dead for a long time, but her essence, her mystery, her, her, her reputation, her legacy is in that bottle of number five. And so that's what I'm working on. Can I really build for the, really no one else in, in the world of golf has built an ongoing luxury lifestyle business beyond their, their, their lifetime. And uh, that's my goal. That's my aim. That's what I'm spending my time on, Chris. And Mark, I, I would have to believe because to your point a moment ago about fitness and health, I mean, your father is almost a picture of fitness and health, certainly around golf. And I would, I would have had to have imagined that people are after you all the time to endorse a diet, endorse these supplements, maybe gyms and things of that nature. Is there, is that something that, you know, as you mentioned a moment ago, boy, that just seems like a perfect fit for, uh, for your father's image. Absolutely. I think that's a, it's a, it's a natural extension of who he is and what he's done. I mean, he's walked the walk and talked the talk for, for six decades or more now in terms of that diet, that health, that fitness fanatic that he is. And how do we convert that into meaningful businesses and revenue streams that are on an ongoing basis? So, for example, there's a great Italian company called Technogym that makes some of the most beautifully designed and functional exercise equipment. He'd be a natural to be a spokesman for them worldwide, but also to develop some Gary Player-specific golf products 
that we could license and have an ongoing revenue stream and focus on the golf country clubs and resorts around the world to get a Gary player collaboration with Technogym into those clubs, into those fitness centers around the world. And so that's absolutely something that I'm, I'm, I'm spending, as I said, a great deal of time on focusing, finding those best of breed, if you like, those global companies that we have a, a synergistic brand DNA with, that we could collaborate with, that we could work with, and that rather than just license the name to it, that we actually bring value, both of us, so one and one, if you like, equals four or five. And if those are done carefully and and, care, and, and cautiously, um, I think we have a really good shot at building this out over the next uh, next couple of decades. Mark, just a couple of more before we let you go. And talking about golf products, and, and your father's name has been on golf clubs with companies like Shakespeare back in the day and Northwestern and, and golf balls with Shakespeare as well and, and Ram for a while. And I know your father had a good relationship for a long time with Callaway. Are you looking at anything along those lines to affiliate the player brand with? I know Mr. Nicholas licensed his own golf balls as well. Are those things that you're also considering? No, not at the moment. I think the hard goods business is a very, very tough business. You you may or may not recall, notwithstanding the brands that he endorsed through the years, we did start the Gary Player Golf Equipment Company. And after I'd lost $25 million um, and, and been given a good spanking, uh, I realized that I'd, we'd bitten off more than we could chew. If Nike, with all their capital and their unbelievable marketing expertise and their, their penetration across the globe in terms of of their brand and their business. If they can't make the hard goods business work, I don't think I can. And so I'm not looking at, uh, I think there could be a license for the right type of ball. I would have loved to be uh, involved with the ball that went to Costco, for example, that is a good quality ball that you and I can play with. The pro won't, but I don't believe that you should be paying a couple of bucks for a Titleist, a couple of bucks a ball, let alone a sleeve, for a Titleist Pro V1. There's not going to really make any difference to your game. It might make a difference to the pro. In my humble opinion, I think there's, you know, you and I, the, the, we, to spend that sort of money on a ball that I'm just going to hit further into the bush or the water, I, I would have loved <laughs> to be involved with licensing the Gary Player name to the Costco ball, for example. But no, I'm not looking at hard goods. I'm looking at soft goods. I'm looking at luxury goods. I believe that there's a, within that 100 million golfers worldwide, they are amongst the most affluent people. I think there are a group of them, one, two, three, four, five percent, which effectively means one or two or three or four or five million people love Gary Player, know what he stands for, and if I can provide them a great product, um, I think they uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at the right price and, and deliver to them. Uh, technology today has really made such a huge shift in the way we buy and the way retail is is run and operated and uh, I think if we can do that I think we've got uh, we've got an exciting future ahead of us but it doesn't really include today hard goods uh, and more, uh, for me because having done that and realized how difficult it is I think once bitten is twice shy. Mark as, as we've been talking about you've been managing this brand now for over three decades what's the greatest compliment you've received from someone about the great work that you're doing? Well, two, uh, two people, well, three people jumped to mind. One is Mark McCormack, who before he died tragically, put his arm around me at Condusti at, uh, at the Open Championship the year be a couple of years before he died and 
he said, um, I really admire what you've done for your dad, both on a personal level and from a brand point of view. And so that was really the father of sports marketing for him to, who was not quick with a compliment, to, to say that to me meant the world. Uh, the second was uh, one of the biggest luxury goods firms in the world is a company called Richemont. Uh, and it owns Dunhill and Cartier and Montblanc. And it's run and operated by a South African called Johan Rupert, who's a notoriously difficult bugger. He's a lovable man, and he's uh, been incredibly successful. And we designed Leopard Creek for him, overlooking the Kruger National Park in South Africa. that's ranked amongst the top 50 golf courses in the world. And I went to talk to him about the brand and the business because I thought maybe Richemont would do something with us. And he said, I wouldn't normally talk to somebody uh, you know, like you, but I do admire what you've done with the brand, with your dad, and with the business, so let's chat. And then the last and perhaps the most important of all is my father. Because if I, if we didn't, if we didn't do a good job, if we weren't able to work together, it's not easy to work sometimes with a father and a son or with your family. And the fact that we managed to do this and, um, and really I can count the disagreements we've had on one, maybe one and a half hands. And so that's not too shabby. And, uh, for that I'm both proud and grateful. And, uh, I, I work hard, but I love what I do and I've been very lucky. To have a father who's achieved what he's done and to be able to have mentors around the world like Mark McCormack and a couple of others who've helped keep me, uh, keep me on track. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun and I really, I, I wake up every morning very excited to get to work, very excited about the future. And, uh, I really believe that we can, we can do something special with the Gary Player brand in the decades to come. Well, Mark, I, I got to tell you one thing before I let you go. And, I, and I've been blessed to have your father on the show for the last five years during Master's Week. And, and I've said this to him. It's, it's your father's voice that I hear inside my head when I think about buying ice cream, eating chips. I, I hear his voice say to me, come on, man, that's poison. That's most of the things that I hear. And I grab blueberries instead. But your father's voice made such hey, an impression hey, on me Chris, over the years. You only have to hear it once a year during the Masters. We have to hear it every <laughs> week, 52 weeks of the year. Mark, that's poison, <laughs> that's sugar, don't eat it. So you're lucky. You only have one show once a year at, the, at Augusta. I've got to have it every other week. <laughs> that's great. Like I say, it's always in the back of my head if I'm going to go and grab something <laughs> I know I shouldn't be eating. Mark, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing with the player brand, both online and on social media as well? Yes, I think that's the best way today. It's such a wonderful, if you think what the iPhone and, or, the, or the, 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 phone, the, the, the cellular phone is really only, the Apple iPhone has been around, what, 10 or 11 years, and how did we all communicate before? So I think GaryPlayer.com, following Gary Player on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, there's a lot of great content. We have a very, very rich archives that we've kept uh, and built over the last couple of decades that go back to him as a child and, 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 and we'll have things that happened yesterday. So the best way is to, is to follow him on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, and, um, and absolutely visit our website. I'm busy rebuilding our whole shop online. So those who Gary Player fans who are out there who want to stay in touch, Enroll, we have a monthly newsletter that goes out that gives you not a very commercial newsletter, but a little bit more informative. So we'd love to have you join us and have love to have you part of the of the Black Knight team and family. 
Well, Mark, it has been absolutely outstanding having you as part of the show tonight. I hope you'll come back sometime, share more of your stories and your insights, keep us up to date with what's going on with the brand. You've been a, a, a huge joy to have as part of the show tonight. Well, I thank you for having me, Chris. It's uh, it's an honor and a privilege, as I said, and uh, I'd love to come on again if there's something of value that we can add. And again, to you and to all your listeners, all the best and thank you very much. Same to you, Mark. All the best to you and your father and the rest of your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Mark Player. Again, he is the founder of the Player Group and Black Knight International, been uh, managing his father's brand now for over 30 years, doing a fantastic job. I love the Player Foundation and all the great things that they are doing for so many charities. You heard Mark talk about it. They're doing a lot of great things for people all over the world. And then the idea of where the brand was when it started, when he first you know, started working with Mark McCormick to where they're at today, and then all the opportunities that uh, that he is putting together for his father's legacy to live far beyond his father's years and, like Mark said, even beyond his own years. So really great stuff, and I can't thank Mark enough for being a part of the show tonight. Really look forward to catching up with him again, hopefully sometime real soon. All right, I've got my next guest, Alex Hamill, hanging on the line. Going to get the Alex on the other side of these words about our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Alex Hamill. A Alex Hamill, let me give you a little bit of background on Alex. He is from Australia. He was previously a general manager, then a regional manager for Club Corps, and then the VP of Food and Beverage at Arcus Golf, which is, uh, you know, before founding, I should say, before founding Innovative Club Management nearly two years ago. Now on a quest to become one of the you know, the big buyers of private clubs and and really taking it upscale for what the amenities and the things that are available to folks out there joining private clubs. They manage the Greens Country Club in Oklahoma City, which has grown by over 400 members since uh, since January. And like I say, looking to add dozens more clubs to their portfolio. And I'm excited that Alex is with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. So, Alex, I, I want to start first by, you know, getting a little bit more background on you. I, I'm curious to go back to the beginning. When did you first fall in love with a game of golf? <laughs> I think I uh, fell in love with a game of golf at a very early age growing up in Australia. And it was interesting to hear that you had a, you know, Mark prior to, to me being on, being from South, uh, South Africa. So it really shows the, the international reach the game has. So I, um, I grew up in Australia playing golf and then uh, moved to the uh, U.S. Uh, in 2001. And, and Alex, you know, when, when you look back at Australian golf and the rich history that it has, well, I've been blessed to have David Graham on the show, Ian Baker Finch, not all that long ago. And there are so many great players. You know, when you look back to the Kel Nagels and the Peter Thompsons and the Peter Seniors and, and Bruce Crampton, Jan Stevenson, not to mention, you know, more contemporary guys with the Greg Normans, Adam Scott, Jason Day. And I could just go on and on with the great players from Australia. So curious to get your thoughts. Who are the players that you grew up, you know, idolizing, following and, uh, you know, trying to emulate yourself after? Yeah, it'd have to be probably the most famous of them all. It'd have to be uh, Greg, uh, Greg Norman. Then Greg was in his prime when I was going through high school. Uh, so I, I remember getting up, <laughs> getting up in 1996. I think I was 18 at the time, and getting up early in the morning, and unfortunately watching him implode on the uh, back night at, at the Masters. So 
I'd have to say Greg really put Australia on the map. And Alex, let's talk about your start in the golf business. Who gave you your first opportunity and what was that like for you? First person that gave me my opportunity was, uh, he's currently the COO over at Arcus Golf. So around seven, eight years ago, actually, um, was interested in going to, and, and going into the, in the country club business and the private club business after being through restaurants and being a, having my own restaurant company. And unfortunately, 2008 wasn't the friendliest years for opening restaurants. And then also going to hotels as well and hotel operations. I was interested to see the, uh, the, the private club business model, so to speak, but also being a, a sports enthusiast and playing golf, I thought, you know what, let's try and combine the two. And, and Jim gave, uh, he actually gave me the opportunity uh, a number of years ago. And Alex, uh, you also spent some time with Club Core, which owns and operates over 200 private clubs, you know, across the U.S. So curious, you know, from your time there, what were some of the things that you learned there? And what are some of the lessons you took from there now going over to your own company and said, you know what, I can do this differently and better? Yeah, I think I think Club Corp and Arcus, they're, they're great companies. They've, they've got a niche market and they've obviously grown over the years, over the last 50, 60 years. And one of the things that I think I really noticed after sitting, working for both companies at different roles and different areas and I identifying sort of coming from a different hospitality background as well, I was I was getting to a point where we keep doing these things over and over again. We'd, we'd spend either millions of dollars in reinventing their clubs and try and provide an experience for their members and then going to Arcus and having the same sort of playbook. And I stepped back a couple of years ago and I said, you know what, there's something missing here. We're trying to find a way to resonate with these people to get more people to play golf. And I think some of the things I say tonight may surprise some of your listeners as well on what I think will move the needle in golf. But going back to, to the first question, I just started re- uh, recognizing that Members were looking for, for a different experience. They were looking for, to be stimulated, uh, more than just, you know, focus on golf, 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 which is important. Don't get me wrong. It moves the needle in the industry. But after spending seven, eight years with both companies, I just got to a point where I'm like, we can do things better. There are a reason why people go and why the hotel industry shifted 20, 30 years ago with a boutique ho- hotel approach. Um, there was a different, there was a reason why restaurants 10, 15, 20 years ago started doing things differently. They started looking at the market and going, Hey, what can we do to re, sort of rebrand ourselves and relaunch ourselves? The whole farm to table sort of launched. And that was a huge sort of shift in the industry for 10 or 15 years. And then I, I stepped back and looked at this private club industry and went, you know what? We're doing the same thing over and over again for the last 20 or 30 years. I think out of sort of my frustration, because I, uh, and my frustration, I'm not trying to push the envelope and, and, and be more innovative, is what sort of sort of forced me into a position to, to go in my own direction and starting innovative club management. It wasn't just about the service and the amenities. Innovation can 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 be can be a culture, can be a, it can be how we, how we treat our employees, how we sort of re, how we build that relationship with the members. That's where innovation can also stem from. So. Basically, long story short, I'm rambling on here, that that it was born out of frustration of a market that is stagnant, stale, and I hate to say it, that there's an ivory tower sort of syndrome in the industry that the same people have been doing the same thing for 20, 30, 40 years, and they're trying to run a different playbook 
they're running the same playbook, sorry, and expecting a different result. So I just, out of pure just entrepreneurship and motivation and passion, I decided to branch out on myself and, and, and form Innovative Club Management. So, Alex, to your point a moment ago, talking about things that will move the needle, I look at your tagline on your website, InnovativeClubs.com, and, and it says, you're the ultimate adult playground. So talk about what that is. Talk about what that means and how you're attempting to move the needle. Yeah. Well, I, I think I remember reading an article recently about some of the heads of the largest golf companies in, in the country. And they were talking about how to make golf more fun. Now, we have all can recognize that over the years that golf has been stagnant and the growth and getting people to play the game has been a challenge. No one denies that. But I'm looking at this a little differently. The golf enthusiast and the golf purist will always be excited to play golf. But what we're seeing is forget, what we're forgetting, the wives, the spouses, the kids, the aunts, the uncles, the other people who aren't as passionate about the game of golf, but they want to be stimulated and be able to experience that private club um, experience, whether it be a, from a, from a restaurant standpoint or whether it be from a service and amenity standpoint. So when we look at trying to move the needle, I think the focus, as much as golf is extremely important, and I want to make sure I make that clear, I'm not discrediting golf like it's secondary, but I think our approach needs to be different. Making golf fun, again, means making that private club experience fun again. The old traditionalist, your grandfather's country club, the dark woods, the, 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 the dark colors, and that mentality of this is a boys club is where the shift really needs to start. If we make that that even the daily fee experience um, not so pretentious, and we focus on other amenities and services that go beyond golf. That's where I feel the market needs to head. There's no reason why, for example, you can't build rock climbing walls, you can't build wave pools, you can't build bowling bowling alleys, you can't have a different approach to private clubs beyond, you know, the lipstick on a pig approach that I think the industry has sort of fallen into. And it takes someone to be able to step back and go, hey, why have you added 400 members in Oklahoma City? Well, very simple. We started, in addition to upgrading the course and providing that experience, we focused on what resonated with the community, with the members, and with the females and the ladies of the club. We're not female-friendly enough in this industry. And the sooner we embrace that, men will be happier when their wives and partners are happier. And if they've got something to do, to do at a club, that's what's going to move the needle. And my, and that's what I'm experiencing just in meeting with other management, uh, other clubs right now and taking on the, and taking them on as, as, as clients as well. And my capital partners, we all recognize that the industry needs a complete shift away from make golf fun. That's, I think we're missing the point. So that's where sort of my approach is a little out of the blocks, out of the, out of the box a little bit. We're just, you know, just pushing the envelope in a different direction while embracing the golf culture, but also focusing on other, other areas. So, Alex, how do you go about figuring out? You talk about, you know, trying to understand what the wives want and what other people around, you know, perhaps which whoever has the golf interest, whether that is the husband or the wife. But how do you go about figuring out what the other, what the spouse wants and what's going to make them enjoy being a part of the club? Well, think about what, what do they do when they're outside of the club? What does the spouse do or your significant other do when, when one's playing golf? What are they going to do? Most likely have either drinks with their friends, lunch with a girlfriend, get their nails done, go do something, some sort of sport, work out, go do yoga, do, go do Pilates. Why can't you put those under a roof in a club? Why can't you 
put these amenities under a club so you can make people's lives easier. Instead of driving all around town, trying to kill four hours, put every single stop. Maybe it's dry cleaning. Maybe it's getting the car washed. Maybe it's kids getting tutored. Maybe it's a, you have to have a business meeting. Maybe you need to eat the nails done. Whatever it is, why can't you build those under one roof? The minute you start embracing what's beyond the golf aspect is the minute you'll start seeing families, kids, wives, husbands joining clubs because it's an all-encompassing 360-degree experience. And I think that's what's lacking in the, in the industry. And Alex, on your website, it talks about people over process, that human capital is the most valuable commodity. Talk about what you mean by that. Well, I think it's, it's, it's not being afraid to pay for the best talent. Two of the largest companies, and I hate to say it, that managing to a spreadsheet and not paying for the best talent and not understanding the return on investment on paying someone 10, 20, 30, 50 grand more to get the best possible person in that market pays for itself. I strongly believe in finding the best talent and put them in each club in the, in, in the, in the specific discipline, and you see the return coming in, their experience, their passion, their expertise, how they handle problems, how they, how they, how they relate to the members, and, and really incorporating people who are outside the golf industry. The boutique hotel industry and the hospitality industry, we need to embrace that. I think sometimes when we find... We're looking for someone to fill in in a private club, for instance. We've got to find private club experience. Any 20 years of experience. I beg to differ. I would prefer someone who had no country club experience, but had great hospitality experience. And that's, again, another angle that we, we really focused on is elevating the hospitality of these clubs. And I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of clubs across the country. And that's why I'm so excited about it, because the proof's in the pudding now. I've seen it in uh, other companies, and I've seen it actually with what we're building right now as well. It's, it's the one aspect, the cornerstone of what we're trying to do is hospitality, and that's where I think it's getting lost. And Alex, on the financial side, the website talks about being able to retire a club's debt and get rid of member assessments. How are you guys able to do that? Well, it, it depends on the club. Obviously, we're talking about member-owned or equity clubs where they've been mismanaged for many, many years. So... My capital partners who are based out of Australia, we will look at these clubs and see, A, is it in the market we think it's great? B, can we come to a consensus and, and work with that with that uh, board to see if we're able to help and save them? And sort of negotiate how we're able to take over this club for them. The members really just care about the club. If you're there to hold their hand and show them there's an out while they're all pulling their hair out, they're giving, uh, driving assessments through the roof, you've got people leaving left, right, and center, and you can't see the daylight beyond that, it's, it's going to be difficult. But that's how we, we approach it. We, we, it needs to make sense, obviously. And if we feel like there's potential upside in partnering with that board and those members, we'll, we'll explore all opportunities. And that's just sort of one aspect of what, of what our, how my company does. So, so, Alex, talk about what's the strategy? How are you going to go about growing the number of properties that you currently own and operate? Well, one of the one of the challenges we have is that the industry has been sort of swallowed up by the for the biggest players. Uh, so getting clusters or portfolios is, is a challenge right now. So on the flip side, we're on a daily basis having calls with sort of our brokers and and, and members of clubs who are calling us saying, "Hey, look, we need your help. We 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 need you to, to to come and see if you can help save our club." 
So a lot of the, the great, the exciting things I'm finding out right now is that we're getting emails and calls almost daily or every other day about people who are, are wanting us to, to partner with them and they're willing to work with us. I think that's sort of the, the fear of a lot of these clubs that are struggling is that they give up complete control and the, the big company is going to come through and sort of sort of uh, clear everyone out and fire everyone and they're going to run it, run it as lean as possible. We don't do that. We want to come in and work with the membership. We want to work on that culture and that, that loyalty the members have. So we're still aggressively looking right now for, for, for portfolios in the industry, but as, as you're aware, they're, they're few and far between right now. So at a high level, Alex, what's the vision? Like, you know, when, when you're talking to your investors or you're going around talking to club members and that sort of thing, what's the vision you're trying to let them see? So I think, I think the best comparison of a company that I think does a fantastic job of employee culture, customer culture, branding, I would consider, I consider our approach similar to how Virgin runs their, their how Richard Branson runs his portfolio. Like, if you look at that brand, it's always fresh, forward, He's pushing the envelope. The employee culture, people love working for him. His clients and his, and his, and love, um, and his customers love the brand and they're passionate about the brand. I think that being a, a, a fresh, forward thinking sort of operator is what was sort of separating us a little bit. Look, don't get me wrong. We're a very small fish in a very big pond and there are a lot of key players in there. But what I've noticed after the last few months is that people are actually noticing and, and our message is resonating where, where the industry is going. So I think that sort of answers your question in a roundabout way, but I hope that gives you a little bit of sort of context on, on sort of where we're heading. Alex, just a couple more before we let you go. But for, for our listeners, you know, for someone who might be a club manager or a GM at a club or a club pro that is listening in and saying, you know what, hey, you know, our club could use a little help. How can they, you know, get up to date with what you're doing and, and you know, reach out to you guys and, and uh, you know, hopefully form a partnership or at least get some more information? Yeah, absolutely. We can go straight to the website, which is www.innovativeclubs.com. Get us on, find us on social media, Innovative Clubs on Facebook and Instagram. Um, that's probably the easiest, easiest way to get a hold of us. Uh, you can see the services we provide. You can see the testimonials. Um, in the next couple of months, we've got some exciting news. We're going to be making uh, making an announcement as well. So we're really uh, really excited about about the future. And, and sort of one of the biggest takeaways that I found once word got out about what we were doing is that how many industry professionals personally found myself on LinkedIn, reached out and said, thank you for speaking up. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's death. This is exactly what the industry needs. So as much as I may come across as going against the grain and being a little rogue, I think one of the biggest compliments I ever received when I was at Club Corp was from one of the uh, one of the executive vice, vice presidents who accused me of being too entrepreneurial. So I sort of wear that as a, as a badge now um, as we move forward and grow the company. Well, Alex, that's all great stuff, and uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and coming and being a part of the show. As you mentioned, is you have a an announcement hopefully you know coming up in a couple of months. Well, I sure love for you to come back on the show and share it with us and. Give us an update oh, for uh, how things are going. Definitely will. And thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Take care, Alex. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. That is, uh, wow, what a, what a wonderful uh, uh, time to spend with Alex Hamill and, and listening to the great things that they've got coming up and, and doing things differently. I love the idea that, you know, kind of, as he mentioned just a, a moment ago, going against the grain and really trying to bring everything that you could ever want in-house under one roof 
and keep people involved that way. I think it's a it's a wonderful model. And uh, he's got other exciting things that they're continuing to do and, and hopefully uh, bringing on more and more properties. Look forward to having Alex back on the show and talking all about it. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. I want to send out my sincere thanks to Mark Clare and Alex Hamill for joining me tonight. Folks, please do me a favor. Give us your thoughts. Go on our Facebook page, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, and, and share your feedback with me. I'd really love to hear what you think. And if you've got some questions that you might want to get on the air for some of our future guests, and you can find out who those are by going on our website, nextonthetea.net. Or you've got a question for someone who's already been on the show. Let me know. I'll be glad to get that question answered for you. And, uh, you know, any way you want to interact with the show, we, we really appreciate it. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live online by going to Blog Talk Radio or that show like this one, also available as a free podcast on our on iHeartRadio, on TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, our good friends over on Podbean, and we can't thank those guys enough for featuring both shows. You know, Thursday Night Tailgate featured right there in their NFL fan section, this show right there in their golf section. And, folks, on Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends to come on and share their stories about their playing days and their insights into what's going on around the league now. Plus, we highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. You can also find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. Again, this show is next on the T.net. Folks, thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you're making this show a part of your podcasting content, your golf content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friend. You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same. the great